and welcome to the New Life Fellowship Podcast. New Life Fellowship is a community of grace in Kitchener, Ontario, Canada. Our goal is to teach and share and experience the life of Jesus Christ together. You're about to listen to a message from one of our meetings. Please make sure to check out our website, newlifekw.ca. Without further ado, let's listen in. How's everyone doing? That was as solid a response as any pastor could ever hope for. <laughs> oh, you guys are great. I love it. I love it. Um, how's everybody's week been? Give it like a ranking out of 10. Cannot say seven because that's just a cop-out answer. Just throw, throw numbers out at me. Look for honesty. What's that? Okay, yep. <laughs> I'm trying to figure out what the average would be, but my brain is way too... <laughs> I knew that was a risky, uh, a risky opener. <laughs> One, three, and two. One, three, and two. All right. It's been a tough week for a lot of people, especially if you have any connections overseas um, in the Middle East. Um, there's, there's a lot of scary, um, dangerous, sort of um, intimidating, threatening things that are happening in the world. Um, and God's had me on a journey in the last, man, 38 years since June 7th, 1985. Uh, specifically, especially the last six months, God's been teaching me a lot of things um, and I'm excited, well, excited maybe is a strong word. I'm, I'm looking forward, I'm anticipating um, sharing some of that stuff with you guys. And I think a lot of it uh, is so deeply relevant you know, for me today, for sure, I think, and for, for everybody. Um, and before I get into that, my name is Josh. I'm one of the pastors here at New Life. So welcome, everybody. And if you're online, welcome to you too. Um, I'm going to pray um, and... I also want to um, say up front, a lot of the material that I'll be sharing um, is taken from a, a short book that I've been spending a ton of time in, in the last uh, two, two months or so. And the book is called um, Mastering the Battle for the Mind. And it's written by a friend and a mentor of mine named Preston Gillum. And so you can actually get this book for free on Preston's website, which is PrestonGillum.com. Oh, look at that. That's a good looking book cover. Anyways, <laughs> I designed it. That's a side note. Uh, um, so, Father, thank you. Thank you that you are good. Thank you that regardless of what's going on in our hearts, regardless of what's going on, the things that we can see, regardless of what's going on, on uh, in our immediate lives or on the, the fringes, on the periphery of, the, of our life, things overseas, um, your goodness is unchanging. Your faithfulness does not fade. Thank you that your compassion for us is um, uh, searing. It cuts through, it burns through everything, is active in, our, active in our lives, regardless of whether we're able to see it or not. Thank you so much for your faithfulness, not just in the circumstances that we are working through and the things that you have for us tomorrow and next week and next month, but also that your faithfulness that you have not left us on our own to face these things. We have Jesus with us. 
And you've actually also given us really practical tools that we can take as we are moving through a, a dangerous, uh, frightening world. Amen. So I have spent the last um, six months since, uh, yeah, last six months or so, really wrestling with what it means to set your mind. Um, as a lot of you guys know, I've had like a lifelong struggle with anxiety. It'll come and go sometimes over, you know, the span of years will go without struggling. Sometimes I'll go for months and months with like enormous struggles and where every day feels like slogging through a torrent, a current pushing against the other, you know, pushing against me. Um, and one thing that God's been teaching me is that the enemy has a single tactic. The enemy that we have has one tactic and his tactic is to lie. That's the only thing he can do. And he'll, it's the only thing he really kind of needs to do because it's really effective. It's really effective for a lot of us. And really for believers, if you're in Christ, there's only one defense that we need. And that is setting your mind. Um, and we're going to talk about what setting the mind means. Um, and simply, I think f when I think about what setting the mind means for me, I'm kind of imagining my, imagining my life and not my life circumstances, but like my inner life and the things I think and the things that I feel as the world is spinning around me, coming at me. I kind of imagine it like there's walls and then there's a gate and everything all the circumstances, there are implications, there are ideas, there are thoughts that are embedded in those circumstances um, that have to pass through a gate. And that gate is the entrance to my mind. And the battles that I move through, God's been showing me and God's been teaching me that those battles, they are won or they are lost at the threshold of my mind. And we're going to kind of get into this in a little bit, but um, actually, we'll just get into it right now. We'll just get to it right now. Um, spiritual battles, the ones that we move through, they are won or they are lost at the threshold um, of our mind. And as I work through my day, as I work through the news, as I work through whatever, I have to be reminded, um, and I need to, that it's so important to shifting my focus. Because when I hear about the horrible things that are happening overseas, I feel sorrow. And I know that that sorrow, that's an echo of the sorrow that God feels. And I also feel fear. Because like, what if stuff starts happening here? And that's like, what if I'm actually not as safe? What if the world is not as safe as I wish it was? Um, I find myself feeling um, anxious, um, I don't like to think much about end times, but as soon as anything happens in the Middle East, it's not hard to hear. If I see people, it's like, oh, it's Jesus coming back. Technically, he's, he's always been coming back, uh, you know, but it's like, oh, we're in the end times now. And depending what your perspective on that is, like that can really bring a lot of fear. Um, and so there's fear around that for me. And what setting my mind means, the defense against that means uh, against the fear is, where am I putting my focus? Where am I putting my focus? And it can be very difficult to shift my focus off of 
fear, off of anxiety, off of uh, difficult, heavy emotions, because emotions are so present and they're so, so there. Um, but scripture over and over and over again tells us how important it is that we set our mind, that we change our focus, that we evaluate each thing that wants to come through the gate of our mind and we evaluate it and say, is this true? Um, Isaiah 26, verse three, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. That's a verse that I've clung to. And if I'm really honest with myself, with you guys, it's a verse that I'm like, I don't know if that's true <laughs> because I don't really feel peace all the time. But I look at that and I say, well, how much am I actually evaluating all the different thoughts that I let into my head and then comparing that against, is this true? Is this not true? Is this a lie? And I gotta, I gotta be honest, I don't do a great job of that. And um, my inner world can be a mess sometimes. Colossians 3 verse 2, set your mind on things above, not on things that are on the earth. Just know for the AV people, there's a lot of scriptures in here that I didn't send in. So, uh, sorry, I guess. Um, <laughs> set your mind on things above, not on things that are on the earth. That's Colossians 3 verse 2. 2 Corinthians 10 verse 5. We are destroying speculations and everything raised up against the knowledge of God, taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Um, setting my mind on spiritual things is not always easy. For me personally, it's almost always very hard. Um, however, Romans 12 verse 2 gives us pretty clear direction around what that looks like. Do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of our minds. In order for my mind to be renewed, in order for my thought patterns to be refreshed, in order for the way that I, my automatically default, my, my automatically um, update my default settings in my mind and how my mind works. It's a pattern, uh, it's setting new habits I guess, of renewing our mind by, um, and that happens as we set our mind, as a thought comes in, and then we say, is this actually true? Um, Ephesians 6, verse 12 to 13. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It's not about circumstances. It's not about threats. It's not about the scary things that are going on. That's not the struggle that we have. It's against the rulers, the powers, the forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in, heav in heavenly places. We're not fighting against an ideology. We're not fighting against a religion. We're not fighting against a people group. The struggle that we are in is a struggle with our enemy, against Satan and his forces. It is a serious thing. It's serious warfare. Because our enemy wants to push the Lord's children into despair and hopelessness over their own condition over the, or the condition of those around them. If I look at my heart and I examine myself honestly, I can see threads of despair. Our enemy wants to magnify our problems and he wants to feed us false interpretations of those problems. And he wants to make us believe that the burdens are too heavy, too heavy for us to bear. And if I'm in a place where I'm feeling despair 
and I'm feeling like I'm being crushed by a heavy, heavy weight, how, how, is my, how able am I to resist against the enemy's strategies? Not very able. Because of this, we need to understand the attack that the enemy directs on our minds and what's an effective defense against that attack. Because if the enemy can cause me to waver, he will attempt to wear me down by a prolonged siege of my mind and my heart. And if I look over the last six months for myself personally, I can see that's what the enemy's been doing. It hasn't been massive blow against massive blow against massive blow. There have been, there have been some big blows for sure for me personally, but there's just like, a, it almost feels like there's just like this constant, consistent undercurrent of pressure that's been wearing me down. The enemy wants me to focus on my disappointments because he knows if he does that, then the disappointments will eventually become discouragement. And the discouragement will eventually become depression. Depression turns into despair. And despair becomes demoralization where I've lost all desire to move forward. And the end result of that is a stronghold. That's a stronghold that the enemy has won in my life. Now, to be really clear, and we're going to touch on this more later, when I say the enemy has won a stronghold in my life, it's not because he has overpowered me, but it's because I've retreated. And one thing that God has been really challenging me on is that he has given me tools and he's given me strategies and he's given me things that I can do, practical things that I can do, to resist the enemy and overcome. James 4, 7 says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. We have that authority. The enemy cannot stand against us. And we're getting into that a bit more later. However, Satan spares no attempt to, uh, no effort, sorry, to tempt, deceive and accuse us. If it results on me choosing to focus my mind on something other than God, anything other than Christ and Christ alone. And the thing that he gets, tries to get me to focus on, they're not like terrible bad things on their own. Like he gets me to think about uh, things like financial planning or forecasting for my business. Or he gets me to think about things like um, the condition of my house. Or he gets me to think about things like, um, what's my marriage gonna look like in six months? Like he, the enemy's attack, uh, lies for me are very often about my future. Now my future is a, dare, a scary dark place. And Josh, you should, what you should do is you should think about the future you want to have and then like reverse engineer backwards and say, okay, what are the steps I need to take right now? And as long as that is my solution to the fear of the future, enemy's like, great. <laughs> oh, Josh isn't looking at Jesus right now. And I wish that wasn't so true. Unfortunately for me, like my feelings, they can be really big and they can be very overwhelming. And the fear of the future is something that I really have to struggle with. Um, the stakes are high though. I have a wife, I've got kids. I'm a pastor here. It's like, I can't afford, I was gonna say, I can't afford to let this, to let myself slip. And when I say that, I don't want to be giving you guys the, the sense that um, 
my standing with Jesus slips. But the reality is for each one of us, there are real consequences for our decisions. <sighs> it was a great time for a water break. <laughs> there are real consequences for our decisions. And if I choose to try to solve my problems in the future, my own way, without focusing on Jesus, the result is always death in some form. It means pressure on my wife that I don't intend to do, don't intend to put, but I put on her. <laughs> oh, I th okay, so this week, oh, frick. <sighs> Why is everyone laughing, okay? This is serious stuff, okay? <laughs> so this week, I was waiting for a big payment for a client, from a client to come in. And uh, I use a service called Pluto, and that service allows me to accept transfers from American clients. So I have an American client, and uh, big payments coming in. I'm like very much looking forward to it. And it's supposed to, the money's supposed to drop into my account on this day. Uh, I think it was like Monday or something. I can't remember which day exactly. But um, I open my bank account, and it's there. It's like, anytime you get paid by clients, a good day. And it felt great. <laughs> I was like 10 a.m. At 4.08 p.m., I checked my email and I saw an email from Pluto saying, the debit from your client failed and please repay us back the money. Until you do, we have frozen your account. And it was within three seconds. I went from feeling like, what a great day to like, I'm going to lose everything. Uh, I'm glad you didn't laugh because I, my mood changed and I was so grumpy. And the kids, their behavior just changed like that. And suddenly I had so many great reasons to be frustrated. And are there any kids back there? <laughs> no? Okay. Well, thank you, Jesus. Um, <laughs> oh, Vienna. Vienna, I was pretty grumpy that day, wasn't I? Yes, I was. She's nodding affirmatively. And it's kind of a funny thing. Like everything got, everything got sorted out. Um, and there were a lot of like, you know, little things I had to solve there. But the reality, the thing is, is like, that was a moment where a lie just went right in. And I was like, oh, open the door. There you go. It like swooped right in and I let it. And it ruled me for a day. <sighs> I don't think it did too much damage to my kids. Um, but there's no way I didn't. <sighs> And that's a small example. But the thing is, is when we don't set our mind, there's a price that gets paid. Damage gets done. That's death. The stakes are high. We cannot, I cannot afford to do that. I don't want to have that impact on people. I want Christ's life to flow through me. I don't want to be the source of death to people. And if we are not setting our minds, we, be, we become a channel for death. That's what happens. Not a single time do you ever fall out of favor with God. Not a single time do you, does God say, oh, now there's a wall between us. We have to deal with that. No, no, that's not at all what I'm saying. What I'm saying is when we allow the enemy's lies to lodge into our head and we treat those as truth, that be, now my actions that flow out of that become damage to people around us. The stakes are high. Now, one of the great pieces of news through all of this 
is that Satan is a defeated foe. He has no authority on his own. I have the authority. I have the authority to step to the side and let the lie in. I also have the authority to push the lie out. I have the authority to resist the devil. And we're going to talk about four things, the four keys to the four steps that, that's required to effectively resist the devil and effectively resist the lies. We're going to talk what those four things are. And I'm going to show you from scripture how you already have every single thing that you need to enact each of those four things. Something that's been very helpful for me is to think about uh, the information that's coming at me as coming from two channels. Uh, every time I get in the van, if my kids had control of the radio before, it's almost always set to like top 40 or something like that. And I always change it to 96.3, classical station, because I feel like Jesus would have listened to classical music. Uh, he would have, I'm just saying. Uh, and so you, I switched that channel, right? And so I kind of think about like as information, as things are coming at us, at, at, you know, at the door, the threshold of our mind, we've kind of got two channels. Um, and then, so one channel is, is sin in the flesh and the other channel is the spirit. And it's kind of like, you have the we have the power to switch between channels, right? So the first channel, like, like I said, the flesh, that is a channel that has Satan's suggestions, for my life, Satan's desires. And the results of following that channel, um, you guys will know these by what other people are like. Um, <laughs> anger, hostility, you know, uh, arrogance, um, maybe you know, making other people feel small, um, pride, critical tongue, negative things. We, it's, it's easy to spot those things. And the result of following after the flesh, of walking in the flesh, of following Satan's will and Satan's suggestions will always be death. The other channel is Christ's will and Christ's goals for my life. And the results of mentally processing according to channel two, we have that in Galatians 5.22, the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And in the same way that you change the channel on a TV or you change the channel on a radio station or something like that, we have the power and we have the ability to choose our perspectives in our mental channels. Um, this is like as a little aside. For much of my life, I always thought that like walking in the spirit um, was, or uh, sorry, setting your mind. I always thought that was something that you did when you were tempted to do something bad, something that's immoral. But what God's been showing me as well is that setting my mind is something that applies to every situation. And the reason is because God is interested in loving me in every situation. As an example, um, this weekend, uh, I planned a number of activities that I really enjoy, but usually if I do too many of them too close together, it's really, really draining on me. Um, so uh, there's, uh, basically I like to lead 
Um, I got like a small group of people together and we come lead, lead a games night essentially. So I had one set for Friday night um, with Richard and Catherine and Sarah. And um, the thing with that I really love about Rich, well, there's, you know, Richard's on drums. There's so many things I really love about Richard. Um, so he works nights. And so if I want to hang out with him, we get together at 1030. There's Richard in the back. <laughs> So this game night started at 10.30 p.m. on Friday, and it went till 2, and it was a great time. I don't regret it even a little bit. Uh, and then I had another games thing with Piper and her friends scheduled for Saturday afternoon. And usually it's like, okay, if I'm doing those two things that close, like back to back, I'm like, oh boy, Friday, Sunday is going to be fun. Uh, and then I was like, oh, I agreed to preach on Sunday. I was like, Ugh. And then God was like, you know, Josh, like you have the ability to, to like, to not be completely dead and completely drained throughout the whole weekend, despite all these things. And now I felt sort of weird talking to God about this because this, this wasn't something that I felt like was a spiritual matter where like, okay, I really need Jesus here. Cause it's fun. And like, I know Jesus likes to have fun. I think I know that, but I didn't, I, <laughs> I hope this makes sense to you guys. It makes sense in my head. I'm doing the best I can explain it here, but like, <laughs> Tamara, thank you. <laughs> um, I woke up this morning and I felt like God was saying, you have the chance to set your mind. You can focus on how you're kind of tired and you can choose to set a step into an expectation that is almost always a default, which is if I've had, I've gone through some difficult things, or sorry, um, not difficult, but like strenuous things, I'm going to be exhausted. And then I start focusing on that and I start expecting him to be exhausted. But God was like, no, no, like, uh, I think it's Isaiah says, you know, uh, even the young men, they, they might run and they grow weary, you know, and like, or, and they might faint. But those like who wait on the Lord, those who are bound up with the Lord, um, they will run and they will not grow weary. They will not faint. Right. And God's like, I have all the energy you need. It may, it's a matter of of setting your mind. And I was like, oh, I'm preaching about this. That is crazy. Uh, I didn't occur to me till this morning. I'm like, anyways. <laughs> oh, yes. I'm discovering that regardless of my physical sensations, regardless of my emotions, it is entirely possible for me to change the focus of my thinking. Um, and that is developing in me a new assurance and a new confidence that regardless of, of what I'm facing, I actually, I have the ability to step forward. I have the ability to, to follow Jesus into the next step, whatever the next step is, is for me. Um, John 16, 33, I've told you these things so that in me, you may have perfect peace and confidence. In this world, you have tribulation, you have trials, there's distress, there's frustration, but be of good cheer, take courage, be confident, certain, undaunted. I have overcome the world. I have deprived it of the power to harm and I have conquered the world for you. So I use the amplified version there. I'm gonna read that again. In this world, you have tribulation and trials and distress and frustration, but be of good cheer, take courage, be confident, certain, undaunted, for I have overcome the world. I have deprived it of power to harm. I have deprived it. I've conquered it for you. 
Satan wants to use uh, sin to tempt, to deceive, and to accuse me in my thought life. I'm using sin as a noun because in the book of Romans, sin is almost always used as a noun. Um, And I so often think of sin as a verb. Sin is an action that I take. But the reality is like sin is actually present in me. It's not me, but it's also in me. And so what Satan does, uh, what the enemy does, the flesh does, is it feeds thoughts into my mind, but it uses first person. And it kind of like taps on my feelings. And so it feels like these thoughts are bubbling up from inside of me. But the reality is they're not. These thoughts are not from me. It's like they're birds flying, trying to like land in the branches of my brain. And I have the power to let them land or not let them land. So we need to be willing to and uh, follow the, the pattern of thought that God has given us to resist the devil to walk in the freedom, the real freedom, our mental freedom that we have in Christ. Even if you feel those thoughts are yours, they are not. If you accept them, if you accept the shame or the condemnation that that these thoughts are trying to feed you, you're willingly choosing to believe a lie. You're taking ownership of the enemy's thoughts. And that is a sin. When I choose to let that, when I chose to step to the side to let that thought fly right in, I sinned. And other people pay the consequences for that. And I pay the consequences for that because it hurt, man. It was not a fun time. However, when tangling with sin and, sorry, shame and condemnation, there are four things we have to do. Four keys to peace. Four things that will carry me safely through the battle for my mind. There's four consecutive things. Number one, first, I need to recognize the condemning thought. I don't usually do alliteration because I'm not super smart. Preston Gillum is very smart. And so he has four words that all start with R. Recognize the condemning thought. Recognize the origin of the thought. Maybe it's attacking my character. Um, accusing me, maybe it's, trying, maybe it's confusing me. And, the, and though those, top, those types of thoughts will lead to the experience of destruction, the experience of death, because they're lies. Number two, refuse to accept the condemning thought. I refuse to accept it as relevant to me. Actively choose not to dwell on the thought because I know where it comes from. It comes from the enemy. It's not from God. Thirdly, I must reckon myself dead to sin. Consider myself dead to the power of sin. I have just this image of like a, like a, a dummy, like a crash test dummy, just like kind of popped up against the wall. And, you know, you know a seductively addressed person walks past. Like what kind of result, what kind of response does the dummy have? Well, none, because it, it's like in the same way, I, I, I reckon myself dead to the wiles of sin. I will not follow the stimulation of sin's thoughts, accusations, or prompting. Dead people don't respond to stimuli. My true desire is to follow Jesus. I do not want to follow the power of sin's temptation. And if you are a Christ follower, 
If you've accepted Jesus and you died with Christ and you were raised up in newness of life with Christ, then you don't either. It is good. It's really good. It's amazing news. And I've seen it change my life. I've seen it change my, like, I've seen it change my, 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 my inner life. I'm seeing more peace. I'm seeing more confidence. I'm seeing um, that the, the waves of, of circumstance are having much less of a, of a, I'm not like bobbing with the waves as much. <laughs> I was like, this is a brilliant analogy. It's almost like I have a firm foundation. It's like I came up with that. <laughs> no, I didn't. It's like I have a firm foundation. And the reality is, is like, as the more I'm practicing this, the more I'm experiencing the truth, the promise that Jesus said that he will be our firm foundation. <sighs> and when the waves are coming, right? And regardless of what your waves are, when the waves are coming and the wind is howling and the rain is beating at the walls of your house, like if our foundation is not in Christ, those walls are going to come down, right? And the reality is, is our foundations are on Christ and we are not going to, like, we're not going to fall apart. But if you're inside the house and you think that the foundation might come apart, that's a terrible experience. <laughs> I, I remember... Um, uh, we, my wife and I moved, we, uh, oh boy, I have such a tendency to give way too much context for illustrations. <laughs> okay. Um, insert context here. So, uh, I was driving with my wife a bunch of years ago and we had purchased a car, a uh, used car, and it was a standard stick shift and a little red Toyota Corolla, we called it Mad-Eye Moody because one of the headlights was hanging out the side and just seemed to fit. Sometimes it just wouldn't start. And so you just like go out, like lift up the hood, slam the hood down, and that made it start every time. It was kind of like a, kind of like a party trick, except it happened at stoplights. And so it was never fun. Uh, anyway, so the thing is, is I didn't know how to drive stick shift. Uh, and... So I, I can't remember what time of year we bought exactly. I just had this memory of like driving um, and it was, I think it was winter time and we were driving from uh, our house to my in-laws place. And so we're taking back roads. So some of the roads weren't plowed. And this is, I honestly want to believe what I'm saying to you. I, my wife is an excellent driver. I trust her. So that's not what this story is about. Okay. I was driving down, uh, sorry, Sarah was driving. I was in the front seat and I was terrified. And not because, it's like, because there's so many thoughts of all the horrible things that could happen if we got into a car accident. I remember like just keeping my eyes closed and like leaning up against, for some reason, the cold of the window just brought this like sense of like, it just felt kind of refreshing. And I was like, if this is what a life of adventure is like, I don't want it. And I was like... <laughs> And I was like, I was so afraid. But the reality was I was in excellent hands. My wife's a great driver. But I was so full of fear in that moment that it's like my experience did not match the circum did not match the reality of my situation. And that's what this is about too, like setting my mind. It's like the more I'm learning to set my mind, the more that I'm finding myself on that firm foundation, experiencing the firm foundation, experiencing the reality of standing, right? On a firm foundation, despite whatever's going on. 
Uh, that was the third point. The fourth thing is rest, which I kind of started talking about already. I am safe. I am secure. I am strong in the love of Jesus, whether I feel the safety or not. I'm on a firm foundation, whether I feel it or not. He is in me. Nothing can bother me unless Christ allows it. And if that's the case, if Christ allows it, that means that it's ultimately for my benefit. I thank God for his complete acceptance and his complete love as complete provision for me. I am thankful that I am seated in heaven with him. And that means I am in victory right now. Only through Christ can we successfully walk through those four R's. Recognize, refuse, reckon, and rest. Only through Christ can we accomplish that. For each of those four R's, though, we need things. We need wisdom to be able to recognize the condemning thoughts that are coming at us. Where, oh, where can we find wisdom? James 1, 5 to 8. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given. But let him ask in faith without doubting. The one who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. I have to have wisdom to recognize the sin that's coming at me, the lies that are coming at me. Through knowledge of the scripture, I can see that these thoughts are not God's way for me. And wisdom is something that kind of takes time to acquire. It, it takes a community, like what we have here. Um, it takes study. And like Pastor Oz preached so powerfully about the reliability and the credibility of the Bible. <laughs> like, I felt so sheepish saying this. I was like, but man, the Bible is so great. I'm like, I've been a Christian for as long as I can remember. And like the Bible has been like a foundation for my life. Uh, but I still, I'm like, man, I need to read the Bible more. Not because I have to, because, because the things like this is like the Bible, like this is how we can learn more about God. And so I'm finding like, I, I, the more I'm spending time reading scripture, the more that I have the, I have the, the truths that God has for me that can combat the lies of the enemy, the more they're at my fingertips. We need wisdom. We need uh, to, the second point is refusing to accept the condemning thoughts that come in. And for that, we need power. We need power to refuse to accept the thoughts of disappointment, despair, bitterness, hopelessness, self-pity. That's a big one for me. Self-fulfillment, self-destruction, resentment, anger, unhappiness, defeat, unbelief, pride, self-sufficiency, self-determination, self-will. Those are all thoughts presented to us by the enemy, by Satan. The father of lies, John 8, 44. God has not given us a spirit of fear, 2 Timothy 1, verse 7, but of power and of love and a sound mind. We have that in us already. We have that power that we need. The power to refuse the thoughts. Third, we need to reckon ourselves dead to sin. We need authority to reckon ourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Jesus. 
I don't have to obey Satan. I don't have to. I can if I choose to. And God will not reject me or throw me out or love me less if I choose to. But I don't have to obey Satan. I don't have that power. I don't have, I, I have the authority. Um, Romans 6 verse 11, reckon yourselves dead to sin, alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. We have the authority to do that. And then we also need um, for the fourth point, which is on page, not page three. Fourth point of resting. We are safe and we are secure and we are strong in the love of Jesus Christ. And we, we need his grace to be able to rest in his sufficiency. You know, I, I used to really love the idea that, uh, that you know, there's all these uh, acronyms, you know, God's riches at Christ's expense. Grace is too small a definition, folks. Jesus is grace. Jesus is grace. We have him so we can rest. In his grace, I rest. You know, I find that I have a much easier time going through steps one to three where I recognize and then refuse and then I reckon, but then I stop at three. But the fourth point is resting, choosing to rest. I go through the first S, but I don't actually experience the victory because I don't feel that victory. But I need to walk in the complete assurance the firm conviction that God has taken care of the situation, whether I feel any different or not. And in that I rest. Um, I have been working on for, I think since March or so, I've been working on a book. I haven't really talked publicly about this with you guys. Um, it's called Antidote for My Anxiety. And the book is really what I need. <laughs> it's full of like 120 pages of just beautiful artwork, photography and stuff on every single page has got a truth, a truth that just is exactly the, the it's a truth that I have like just held on to with white knuckle hands in the face of like the onslaught uh, of the enemy. And what I'm finding is that the more that I've like, as I've been working on this project, um, these truths are starting to sink into my mind more and more. Um, and they're simple. Like the, the truth that God has for us to combat the lies of the enemy, they are always simple. They're not easy necessarily, but they're simple. And uh, they resonate deeply. Again, back to the John 16, 33. These things I've spoken to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you have tribulation, but take courage, I have overcome the world. You know, I was thinking this morning as like listening to the, um, the worship songs, um, and thinking how powerful music is. And I have a couple of playlists on my phone that if ever I'm feeling anxious or overwhelmed, I always go to those playlists because there's just something about the, the lyrics that just like, that just kind of sink in deeper. And that's a form of setting your mind. And that's what I would encourage you to do. If you know, if you have songs that just seem to like, kind of like resonate or hit you in a certain way at a certain time, like collect those things together. And if you're at a time where the emotions are huge, your feelings are huge and they're hard to navigate, just like find a quiet place, put your headphones on, close your eyes and just sit and just listen to the music. And it's amazing as, I'm, as you do that, this feeling of peace begins to kind of overwhelm and overcome the lies that the enemy has. 
How many times a day must I walk through these four steps? Uh, I stopped counting <laughs> pretty soon <laughs> because it's a very big number. Um, but what I'm also seeing is that as you do this and it becomes a part of your daily, it was like your just your automatic process, you have to do it intentionally less and less and less because again, it's like the, where your mind is being renewed. It's like you're creating new neural connections in your head. Um, Dr. Caroline Leaf is a um, neuroscientist and a believer. And a lot of her research has been about how the, I, the idea of like setting your mind and how um, the uh, developing, like the, having your mind being renewed, it actually like science backs that up and how you can see that the, there's neural connections and new neural pathways that are, that are developed. And I just think it's such an incredible, you know, you know, period or point at the end of what Ross was preaching the other week about the reliability of the scripture is that this process that God has laid out for us, like science backs it up. Science backs it up. What I'm also realizing though, is that the more um, natural that four-step process becomes in my mind, um, Satan adapts and he becomes a little more, if there's like a negative version of sophisticated, because I don't want it to seem like any, like I don't paint him in a positive light in any way, but becomes more sophisticated. Manipulator, that's a great word. Absolutely, absolutely. Strategic, another excellent word, yeah. Um, because what I'm realizing is that the really big things that used to knock me off my feet don't knock me off my feet as much because it's so easy to spot that as the lie. And so what I'm finding is that the things that really mess me up are getting smaller and smaller, which actually feels like I'm becoming less mature. Um, but that's a lie too, because it's something like, oh, I stubbed my nail or toe, not my nail. <laughs> or, um, I mean, the little hurdle with the client that I experienced this week is like the client had money. It was going to come. It was just going to be a little bit, little bit later, but it was just this, it just, it got me got me really good. And so what happens is that, you know, a uh, smash fingernail, you know, a rainy day instead of a sunshiny day, maybe fall hit a little too soon. Maybe you want a little more summer. Um, those things, just the small things, they become tools as well that the enemy uses. And the reality of this is, um, as I'm wrapping up here, is that Jesus loves us so much. And these four steps, these are the practical ways that we can experience his love and his care and his provision every day. And it's not just limited to the spiritual temptations. Um, <laughs> it's not just limited to um, the really big, heavy things. It's the small things because God cares deeply about the smallest of the things. And so the enemy 
will make even the smallest of the things a battleground. But I'm so grateful and I'm so thankful to God that he's given us a, a battle plan. He's given us a battle plan. And we get to participate in the victory. The victory has been done already. Make no mistake. We get to participate in it. And we get to experience Jesus' love as the enemy is being beaten. And that's such a special, special thing. I'm, uh, I'm going to close a prayer. And if there is a specific thing that you have, a specific struggle, a specific battleground that you are fighting with, um, I, I would encourage you to raise your hand. And I'm not going to ask people to close your eyes, but if you see somebody else close by you um, with a hand raised, then just maybe if you're comfortable, just put a hand on their shoulder. Because something that has been so powerful for me has been this community. Um, because so often the truth, the strength, um, the, the peace that I've experienced and that I'm experiencing more and more of has been because of the love of people around us. God has not left us alone. We have the Holy Spirit within us. And we are surrounded by people who have the Holy Spirit in them as well. And so I don't want you to, any of us to feel alone in this. So let's all stand up. Um, and as I'm going to pray, um, and yeah, so just slip your hand up if you want to. And just kind of keep an eye around for, for other people who maybe are, are close by who are struggling or have their hand up. And just put a hand on their shoulder. And I, I think the truth is that all of us should have our hands up. And all of us should have hands on each other's shoulders. Um, yeah, I'm going to pray. And, um, yeah. Father, we're all here and we are all in a battle. All of us have a battleground for our, or in a battle for our mind. And father, I thank you so much, Jesus, man, that you have not left us alone. We are not alone. We are surrounded by brothers and sisters. We have the Holy Spirit within us. We have a firm foundation, an unshakable foundation. And you've also given us really practical things that we can actually do to participate with you in the struggles that we walk through. Thank you for this good truth. Thank you for the Bible. Thank you for Jesus and what you did on the cross. What a good, powerful God you are. We thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for your power. Thank you for your authority, which is active in our lives. Oh man, you're good. I can't say enough good words. So I just give you myself again. And I commit New Life Fellowship, my brothers and sisters to you. And um, we commit ourselves to each other as well. Thank you also for soup and pie which is mere moments away. Everybody said, amen. You've been listening to the New Life Fellowship podcast. Thanks for joining us. For more great content, please be sure to check out our website, newlifekw.ca and sign up for our mailing list. Subscribers will receive our The Life in the Apartment ebook that is sure to encourage and bless don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and subscribe to our YouTube channel to watch the latest services and additional video content. 
New Life Fellowship is a registered charity that is supported by the giving of partners and friends. All donations will be received. If you would like to donate, donate at newlifekw.ca. Your giving is highly valued and appreciated. You are loved. Take care.